What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me as always is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic. I am sweating my backside off here in St. <laughs> Louis. We're uh, in the middle of second summer, uh, otherwise known as the end of October. People say global warming isn't isn't real, but Thanksgiving's coming up in a few weeks, and I'm sweating puddles in my basement. The coolest part of my house. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Today, we got up to 80-something here in Michigan. So, yeah, kind of weird. Uh, we had, like, snow the other day, like, I think on Saturday or Sunday. And then here we are, and it's, like, 80. So, you know, Same. it's pretty much, uh, I think, all is right in the world with basically the uh, political climate we're in currently. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's uh, in a dead standstill and hushed silence waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to get too political. We already did that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's been it's been pretty good to see Michigan actually uh, do something positive versus uh, being in the news for all the horrible shit. So uh, between us and Arizona and uh, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just say that uh, Michigan and Arizona actually switching uh, from red to blue uh, during this election is because uh, Brandon Kellum and I uh, were able to squash our differences uh, a week ago on the live cast. So you can you guys can just thank us uh, for pulling the global economic uh problems we've been having here in the u.s uh you can thank us basically i'm proud of you guys i'm really 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 proud of you guys for burying the hatchet i know a lot of words were said but yeah uh speaking of a lot of words being said that's a terrible segue but this is a uh, red beach of winger of white snake uh he returns to talk about his new solo record a view from the inside which is coming out uh this friday as of when you're going to hear this you're going to hear it a couple of days later uh but yeah it's coming out november 6th via frontiers music uh it's a progressive instrumental rock uh record and uh, i know we don't really cover those kind of things on this show but uh reb was a, a really easy chat uh when we had him on talking about the newest white snake record last year and uh sometimes it's kind of fun like you know he kind of teased at the time like oh, i'm you know kind of working on this solo stuff that I, i've had for a while and you know possibly working on some new winger stuff and it was kind of cool that you know almost a year later like now he's got the solo thing done and as you'll hear in the chat the winger basically is next up and uh apparently kip is a real tough motherfucker to uh make sure that uh everything is to a certain standard uh which i thought was very amusing but also i think speaks to uh the song craftsmanship uh that winger is always possessed i mean he, he he's a career musician i would expect Absolutely. i would expect nothing less honestly um a, a lot of these a lot of these guys because like i haven't even thought I haven't even thought about Kip Winger in forever. Well, until the, since the last time you had Reb on, but uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it it definitely stands to reason uh, that that he would be uh, a little a little tough in that. Um, guitar players are the worst, yeah, and you know, <laughs> this this entire episode is just you know guitar players. I love too that like in the most generic guitarist move ever, Reb just pulls his guitar out several times during the interview, and it's just like he can't illustrate his point without playing it for you and that was uh kind of cool though because i mean you got you know you got a private uh well not so private now but you got you got like a private uh you know tour of the creative process of red beach that's awesome yeah it was it was kind of funny like when he it started with me basically thinking i heard a banjo and then him pulling out a a sig fiddle so a cigar box fiddle and uh yeah i was just kind of like holy shit this is really fucking cool that he's like you know pulling these instruments out and kind of showing and playing them even if they're out of tune or whatever and then even uh with one of the songs i was mentioning that i really liked 
him basically pulling out his guitar and playing it. And it really did kind of give me a little bit. And I, and I hope it kind of does to the people when you, when you all hear it in a couple minutes, uh, gives you an idea of maybe what having lessons uh, from him is uh, going to be like something that was actually pretty cool about that even was if you go to like his Twitter or Facebook or any of his pages, he is like, you know, I'll for money, basically he'll either teach you how to play guitar and he's versed in a, a lot of different styles, but he even was like, or if you just want to talk, I got tons of stories. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, and now that I see him, that he's willing to do that, I'm almost like, I almost want to hit him up and be like, you should just do a Patreon where you just basically have people like maybe once a week pay five bucks to come hang out, you, you know, show some stuff if it if that's what's in demand or whatever. And then you just tell fucking tour stories like that dude's been around and played with so many people. How does he not have five dollars worth of entertaining stories for you? Shit. Yeah. Start a podcast. <laughs> Definitely. But please don't encourage anybody else to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can that's I say? Actually, I, that's actually kind of funny, though, the amount of uh, we call them COVID podcasts that, that have popped up recently where it's like we you know you got guys like me and john that have been slugging it for years now at this point and um and you see all these people take you know uh you you know trying their hand at, at podcasting uh to varying degrees of quality um some people i'm always like man i kind of wish that that dude had always had a podcast and then some of them i'm like wow just because you're in a band does not mean that you're good at running a podcast yeah no this is a lot of fun and i i really enjoy talking with reb he's just super easy to talk to he's a blast uh his David Coverdale impression, which we didn't, he didn't really do one on this other than the black magic, um, which had me fucking rolling. You know, it's one of those things where he's just so easy to talk to. And, and that's why I keep wanting to have him back on because he's so easy. Speaking of easy, this beer that I have for tonight, uh, I bought one of the new just released uh, Founders you, KBS. You need to send uh, me one of those. I will maple, send you maple Mackinac fudge. And holy fudge is this fudgy. Um, I think this is the best KBS I've ever had. And yeah, it's really good. And uh, I mean, at the price point, it better be. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still need to get you to send me because I can't get I can't get any of the KBS stuff out here. Yeah, that's uh, there's been a handful of people um, that are kind of asking me about this or if I can get them some. Um I also just recently acquired the uh, the 2020 Rochester Mills, the milkshake uh, stouts holiday pack and uh, very much looking forward to dipping into that over the next handful of weeks. And uh, yeah, speaking of uh, dipping in, let's dip into my conversation with Red Beach and we will talk to you on the other side of it. Come on in. The water's fine. I'm doing good. You sound good on your mic. Thank you. I would hope for the cost of this thing, it should. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the uh, the fun thing of spending money on gear where you're like, is it really going to be worth it? Like, I actually just bought this. I just got this. Um, and I have not bought an actual head. I've been putting it off because it then you're kind of, instead of having like a profiler type thing, you're then stuck with having to dial in your own tones and then buy pedals and all that kind of stuff. And I was like... Oh, it's so expensive to have to buy all that stuff and then really determining like, you know, doing your shopping to be like, okay, is this actually the the amp that I or the head that I want? Is it going to create all the tones I want out of it? 
And I've spent the last probably, I've had it for about two weeks. So I spent the last like week trying to really dial in a nice distorted tone that I like. Mm-hmm. It drove my wife nuts because she's like, it all sounds the same. <laughs> I'm like, but it, it doesn't because like the mids are kind of scooped out of this one. This one's a little more, you know, with the gain turned up a little bit more. This one's got more presence. And then she's like, it all sounds the same to me. And I was like, I know, it's just noise. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, those are nice heads. So I'm sure you can get a great tone from that. Yes, uh, absolutely. Is this a guitar kind of podcast? No, I don't. Typ- I mean, I don't typically talk. I do talk about the instrumentation and, and you know music and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, being a musician myself, a bad one at that. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's still a thing of like uh, typically it's just a, a fun conversation. Uh, I think the last one, you know, obviously with the White Snake thing. You know, we talked a little bit about that record. You know, and being in the band, and I loved your David yeah. Coverdale impression. I think it's probably one oh, of the cool. best I've heard. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So we'll get going because I know I only got you for 30 minutes. Yeah. So I have the pleasure of talking to Reb Beach, who's most known for being the guitarist of Winger and Whitesnake. But you know what? Today, we're here to talk about his upcoming solo record, A View from the Inside, which is coming out November 6th via Frontiers Music. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm doing great. I just gave a bunch of guitar lessons, and uh, and it was really fun. It's always fun. It's always something interesting. I just had a girl in Australia who played classical guitar for me for an hour, which was oh, awesome wow. that she paid me to do that. And she was really good. <laughs> I think that's kind of the crazy thing about now is, you know, I have talked to a few different musicians and, you know, like with YouTube and getting to see so many people all across the world, you're getting to see so many phenomenal musicians. And, you know, some of the people are like, I'm glad I'm like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years into a career. Cause I would look at some of these people like, I'm fucking done. <laughs> I can't do it. I have don't have the time or the chops really to keep up with some of these people that are coming out now. But, you know, uh, first off, you know, speaking away from that, I want to say congrats on finishing this record because, you know, we talked about a year ago and at that point you were still kind of working on it, weren't sure in what capacity, when it was going to be coming out or anything. So in addition to, uh, you know, working with Kip at the time when we were talking for the new upcoming Winger release, what has been your process over the last year or so of getting these songs done? Well, it, you know, it was just kind of a pet project of mine. The way it started is <clears throat> it was 1993 and Winger kind of sh- was shot down in flames with every other 80s band. And I was like, what am I going to do now? I'll be like a Joe Satriani kind of dude, you know, kind of like a fusion guy and do instrumental stuff. This way I don't have to worry about a lead singer or lyrics and I can go out there. It'll be my band and do, you know, guitar tours like G3 and stuff like that. Um, That was the plan. So I shopped that my demos, I made demos and I shopped them around and I couldn't get it signed. So then I put it up on my website as the Fusion Demos, and they sold like hotcakes. I couldn't believe um, And everyone, all the comments were like, my favorite thing you've ever done is the Fusion Demos. So it made me think, well, geez, I should make an album, a real album, just on my own. Um, so it was just like a pet project at home, in my garage, whenever I had free time, which, you know, I'm never home. But whenever I was, it was like, uh, it was like you know, when they show... Like housewives would make jelly, like you know, in the in the Midwest and stuff. You know, they just make jelly in their free time, and then pretty soon they've got cases of jelly. <laughs> you would nothing to do with it. Well, you know, with with this record, it was just my little thing that I would do to relax me, um, and a little by little. So it took a very long time. Um, yet I finally was able to release it because of COVID. 
I was asking Kip when COVID hit, what the heck am I going to do? And he said, well, what did you ever do with that fusion stuff? And I said, it's sitting on my hard drive. It's been done for like a year. Um, he said, why don't you release it? And, and so this is why it's coming out. So obviously you've, you know, touching on the fact that you had, you know, quote unquote, solo material before. How long have some of these songs been in the process of being worked on? Well, Cutting Loose is a song that I get asked about all the time. What's the first song on your instructional video from 1989? And I would say it's nameless. It doesn't have a name, but the name of the video is Cutting Loose. So one day I was like, why not just call it Cutting Loose? Um, and I decided to re-record that for this album because the original recording sounds like crap. Then there's Black Magic. Same thing. I wrote that in, you know, 1987. I think that's the first it's the sorry it's the second um fusion song i ever wrote in 1987 1986 i wrote little robots mm. which is the second song on the record and that's my favorite song on the record um black magic i was giving a lesson a few months ago to a guy in japan and i said oh that's so cool you want to learn black magic you know how do you know that song he said why are you kidding everybody in japan knows that song i said why does everybody <laughs> in japan know that song he said because the announcers use it for the baseball games oh, wow. um and it's constant every single sporting event it's always used and i'm like really that thing sounds like crap it's it's like a little sr16 drum machine um, I did it on an eight track cassette recorder. And so I went back and looked at my statements that I thought were all just winger statements. But no, a ton of money for years I've been getting for black magic and I had no idea about it, you know. That was so, going to be my question is, wouldn't your statements at least prove that? But I guess they, absolutely right. They, yeah, but I didn't ever look at all those. <laughs> there's millions of, you know, songs and stuff. And so, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, there's black magic. And that's pretty good money every statement period for black magic. Um, and so, yeah, so I redid that. That's the first song on the album. And I redid it because that sounds like terrible. So hopefully the announcers in Japan will <laughs> see that there's a new version with better, better sounds. And then, uh, you know, through the years, I would write other ones. Uh, it got all the way up to Attack of the Massive, which was last year. And The Way Home, I forgot that I needed a song for Japan. Uh, you need like a they need another song to give the Japanese people incentive to want to buy the Japanese version right. which is more expensive rather than the uh, the American version. So um, so I wrote the way home, you know, like a year ago or whatever. So that was the last one I wrote. Mm, it's interesting. I you know, because it's kind of in listening to this record and, and this honestly shouldn't surprise me, given how prolific your career is with all the different stuff you have done you know even doing a score for a sega video game <laughs> way back in the day <laughs> but it's you know a song like aurora borealis you know kind of caught me by surprise initially because you know here come you know you're kind of doing a tappy you know lead kind of playing and then here comes this kind of piano melody that it's not that it doesn't fit it just catches you off guard because you're not that's not what you would assume is coming to accompany what you're playing and then you're like oh and <laughs> I think it was in that moment that I was like, okay, so you're you're really kind of bringing a lot of different sounds and styles out for this record. So when putting a song like this together, since I, I don't have the liner notes for the record to see who's playing on this, was this something that you completely built from the ground up using, you know, like uh, recording, you know, beats on a or drums on a, you know, whatever uh, plug-in or whatever you prefer yeah. to use? 
or are you actually collaborating with actual musicians and you're like, hey, I'm thinking something like this. Here's the tempo, da 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 da, da this long, and then just kind of being surprised by what you're getting as well. No, no, no. I I played the piano part, um, but I didn't play it on the record. Uh, I I played I was gonna play it on the record, and then we I was we was on tour with White Snake, and this guy knew a guy who had a piano in his church. So we went to the church and mic'd up the piano and just recorded it with his laptop. Hmm. Um, and so that's Michele Lupe from Whitesnake playing piano on that. Um, and it's a little bit choppy sounding because it, I wrote it in a really weird key for piano. And when I played it, I just pushed transpose on the, on the keyboard, you know, so it transposed it to all the white keys, hmm. which is a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> but McKelly had to play it in these really weird keys. So it sounds a little bit choppy, but, um, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I played the keyboards and, um, and so I started with that kind of Irish, riff that I had that starts the thing. I had that and I was like, ooh, if I play some piano underneath that, it'll sound really cool. And it ended up being this Irish jig. And so I was like, I needed a name and I Googled, you know, Irish jig and I came up with Finnegan's Wake. And it was just the worst name ever. So I asked uh, Rod Morgenstein in the van on the way to a winger gig, will you listen to this and tell me what the name, can you name this? It needs a better name. So he listened to it, he, he thought for a minute, and he said, Aurora Borealis. And I said, <laughs> well, I like that name. It has nothing to do with how this song makes me feel, but it's better than Finnegan's Wake, and it's an instrumental song. I can call it whatever I want. I can call it Frank's Pizza. It's, it's <laughs> You know, kind of speaking to some of the eclectic uh, instrumentation on this, I love the inclusion of the banjo at the end of Hawk Dance. Uh, I'm safe to assume I see a ukulele behind you. Is it safe to assume that's you are uh, on the on the banjo? No, it's me on that ukulele behind me. Oh, it, that's not a banjo. <laughs> it's not a banjo. It's actually no, no, no. I know, but I'm saying on the Hawk Dance. Is that you playing the banjo on Hawk Dance? No, it's it's, it's me playing the. I'm grabbing it here. It's oh. me playing the Sig fiddle. I was going to say, is that like a cigar box fiddle? It's thing? a cigar box with strings on it that isn't in ah. tune, <laughs> but it really sounds really good. It needs new strings. Totally fooled me. I thought that was a banjo. Um, it it kind of sounds that way. It's all I doubled it with an acoustic, too, and mm-hmm. Kip hates that part a lot. <laughs> I, that is, to me, that was like, I almost kind of was like, uh, I, I'll take like another two minutes of wherever this is going to go because I, I really enjoyed it because it, it, between the, you know, the setup that you're doing with the chords you're playing on the electric, you know, I think you have like a, a palm muted riff and then you're kind of playing them out and then you have the, the, the cigar fiddle thing and then the acoustic and then so you have like a blend of like four different stringed instruments playing and mm-hmm. kind of you're replacing that bass line. That's kind mm-hmm. of throughout. That's kind of going. And so to me, I was like, oh, I, I kind of like where this is going. It's just smooth. It's just a really fucking smooth sound and, and a vibe at the end. So I kind of really enjoyed that. But that's interesting. I totally thought that was a banjo. That's funny. Thank you so much for listening to my record. I can't tell you how happy that makes me feel. I've done 10 interviews for this already. And everyone just wants to talk about um, White Snake and Winger, and which is fine. We already it's did just, that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just that some, you know, some of the people didn't even listen to the record. Um, and I know that, you know, instrumental albums kind of turn people off. They don't sell well, typically. It was kind of hard to get a record deal. Um, but... Uh, I tried to make this album 
com- totally listenable to fans of all kinds of music. You know, it, it's not it's not. And like you said, you know, it's not your typical shredder guy album. And that's exactly what I didn't want. I didn't want, you know, like, all right, you know, <laughs> just wailing and he's shredding beginning. He's shredding in the middle and he's shredding at the end. Then there's yeah. another shredding song. You know, that's not <laughs> what I'm looking for. I, I wanted just a different kinds of uh, music uh, to tantalize the listener and not get bored. You know, I have solos, there's keyboard solos, um, there's all kinds of different jams, different flavors. I just wanted it to be an interesting album to listen to. And and the other thing is, it's not like a you know, it's not jazz fusion. There's a jazz player would listen to this and go, well, this isn't a jazz guitarist. Obviously, <laughs> this is a rock guitar player. It's all mostly pentatonic stuff, you know. Um, uh, it's 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 very listenable because it's all inside music. There's no you know weird change. It's not an Alan Holdsworth album, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the thing that was kind of interesting about it to me is you know even throughout, like you said, there, there's a lot of different styles and, and genres covered. But you know, I'm kind of wondering in the recording of this and, and kind of pulling maybe pieces that you've been working on over the last, you know, 30, 31. I was gonna say, that's the shit part is I'm getting older now. I'm like the eighties. That was only, and I'm like, no, that's a lot further back. Like that's where I was born and I'm 36. So, uh, shit, we're almost at 40 years. Um, but yeah, you know, just wondering, you know, was there something maybe that you were working on for this record m- musical style that maybe didn't make the record because it didn't, wasn't a cohesive part of the record as a whole and the vibe that you were trying to go for, like a style or a genre that you were playing around in? No, no, I, I don't go that far out. Like, I, I don't want a country song. Um, you know, I I, I hated uh, Hot Dog by Led Zeppelin. Like, I don't want a song on there that, that just doesn't belong on the record. Hmm. Uh, I think, you know, I, I've never had that happen where if, if something is sounding terrible to me i won't even give it more than you know 20 minutes it just it's mm. art gone you know you can tell right away if something's cool or not you know it all starts with a guitar lick and that is the way it is in everything that i've done it all comes down to me when we first write a song with winger it all comes down to me when we first write a song with black swan we start with the guitar riff and same thing with um this album you know, I've got to have either a guitar riff or a keyboard riff. That's uh, that's that's cool. It's just one section. You need one cool section to build off of. So, what is it? Is it a verse, a chorus, a pre-chorus? So then you, you know, it's like Legos. You know, you just kind of puzzle it together until you're done. I have to say, I think my favorite track off this record is, and I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, Infinito. Infinito, eleven twenty-two. Really? That's your favorite? That's my least favorite on the Man, I, so here's why, though. So, okay. But I was going to say, the thing for me is, is it's, uh, you know, I had to go, I have to go into work and it's still dark and I have to drive on the highway. So to me, like, you know, you're doing, you know, 80, got that song going and you're like, yeah, this, this is kind of an undeniable cool factor to that song to me. And honestly, that opening riff, I feel like, I feel like I could hear it on a White Snake or a Winger record. Like, I feel like maybe that was the bones of a, like a B-side. And it was just kind of like a, oh, I got this riff, I don't know. So just kind of wondering where, where did the idea for that one come from? Well, that's a good question. And so, um, let's see if I've got a guitar that's in tune here. <laughs> um, so the thing about that was, I, I've seen people on YouTube... I've seen people on YouTube um, trying to, which is really a great honor that someone has uh, has you know heard the song already and kind of tried to play it, and they're thinking it's just E C D. 
I would never write that. That's stupid. That's not a good lick. So, <laughs> what, so what is the reason that I even wrote the whole song is because I figured these chords out. That it's just one finger on the second fret of the guitar, and all the rest of the strings are open. And at any given time in this riff, there's only one finger on the fretboard. <laughs> Right, and then you just move one finger up to the third fret on the A string, and now you just put one finger on the third fret of the B string, and it's these open chords, and it's just this weird sound. And if you put the bass, I was like, wow, now it just needs a cool bass riff, like and then we had a song, you know, right there. It's like, that's a whole song. That's what inspired that tune. I just love the, uh, the I mean, because I don't want to say the, the album as a whole is very upbeat, but I feel like that one kind of has a little bit of a darker tone to it, kind of a little sinister. And the guitar tone itself just kind of is a little bit different than you're sort of hearing, like, especially those just big monster chords. And I was like, yeah, there's just something about this I fucking like. Well, I, I wanted to release Black Magic as the first single, but the record company said no, understandably, because um, Black Magic... Magic was released 31 years ago on a Guitar World <laughs> compilation record, so it's it's old news. Um, so the there's only a couple of other songs that are kind of you know rocking, and that's one of them. So so they picked that one. But I'm glad. You- no, I really do. It's kind of interesting, you know. In doing this for a little over four years now, it's always funny when I get a record before it comes out, and you know I'm like, oh, I really like this record, and someone will be like, ah, that was my least favorite. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you know, something that, you know, in talking about Bad Magic, as, I'm, as you're saying that, obviously it's it's an older song, and so you're redoing it to, to update it. But even when doing it, I, I kind of wondered, because it's the only thing on the record that has any quote-unquote vocals. What, David Coverdale? What was that? That's David Coverdale. Is it? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, so he, he took up all your uh, guest vocal or guest musician budget, I guess, then, right? Is that why he's the only one? <laughs> No, I was sitting in the room with him. I said, David, I need you to come in the studio and just say Black Magic. So we went in the studio and I said, okay, I'll count you in. One, so I'll count to five and on six, you say it. So I went one, two, three, and Black Magic. I'm like, no, 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 David. I want you to do it on six, okay? One, two, three, Black Magic. I'm like, okay. So we're just going to use the one you just did and that's what we did. It took and it took about 60 seconds to do it. Um, yeah. And his, his voice is so amazing. Black Magic. It's awesome. The whole band stops. And he says that it was just one of those where I was kind of like, you know, what made you think to put that in there? Well, that's a good question. Um, we play it live and uh, I think we started like stopping as the band and and just yelling out black magic mm. at that at that point because people weren't really sure what to expect because we do oh, that. Were song. they clapping? Thinking no, it was the over? Red, it's the Red Beach Project. And, and so we'd start with this instrumental. And there's no vocal, and so the people would, uh, you know, kind of be like, "Wow, is it an instrumental band?" You know, so we'd stop and go, "Black Magic," and they're like, "All right, yeah." And people would like, "Wow, well, what he said," but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I just know. I as you were saying that, I almost envision people doing that preemptive clap because they think the song's done. Because you stop, and then they don't if they don't, if they're not aware of it, and they would be like, "Oh, it's." Oh, it, oh, 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 still, there's still more. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's it's actually cool when you're playing it live. It's cool to stop real quick and scream something out, and, and you know. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll have David Coverdale do that, and that would be perfect. That's that's awesome. I'm, I didn't even again don't have the liner notes, so there's things like that that I don't even yeah. know or who no it is. One, no, no one knows it's David. Ah. 
you know, kind of with uh, with everything kind of being at a standstill right now due to, you know, the pandemic that we're all in currently, um, have you found yourself maybe writing more for, for everything, whether it be for potentially another, you know, solo project release or anything else? Yeah, I wrote 15 ideas for Winger, brought them into Kip, and he said, you know, I like this one's good and this one's good, but I'm not sure. And so we noodled around with him for 10 minutes and then, you know, it always ends up just not working out because the way that Winger does it is – um, Kip likes me to come up with the riff. And so, you know, this last time he sat right in front of me and said, all right, play a riff. And I'm like, I, I can't do it with you staring at me. It's like, I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, and so he knows that. And so he walks around the house um, and I'll just start playing. I'll start playing riffs. You know, I can play riffs all day long, you know, and I'll do it for probably about 10 or 15 minutes. And then I'll come up with something, you know, just like, ever and and he'll go what's that and i'll say i don't know and he'll say okay that's something what is that that i think that could be something and he'll sit down and we'll just go from there um and uh now i forget my i forget the question <laughs> oh yeah so no i've written i know i still have more to say on that so so i came in with 15 ideas and basically we're not going to use any of them and guess what those are going to be black swan and that's the exact same thing that happened the last time all of those licks i i brought in 50 ideas to jeff and he was like a kid in a candy store as opposed to kip winger who has this really high bar like Kip says that the guitar riff, he doesn't want he wants he doesn't want to know what the next chords are going to be after he's heard the first two chords. He doesn't want to know what the next chords are going to be. And on all of my stuff, it's rock stuff, you know, straight ahead rock riffs that yeah, you know what the next chords are going to be, but that's kind of the beauty of it. It's rock. It's not, you know, too too out there. And Kip likes a little bit of out there. But he makes up for it in writing a super pop melody over it, um, you know, IE 17, which is a pretty uh, progressive kind of riff. It's it's very busy anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, not so progressive, but but definitely busy. Um, and he likes that challenge to do riffs that are kind of harder to play, but with pop melodies over them. And so I came into Black Swan. We wrote, wrote the whole thing in 10 days because, you know, I had these riffs and Jeff Pilsen is an amazing composer arranger. And just took all my stuff and and finished it. You know, I never finish songs. That's my problem. I need a collect. I always feel like, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs of your guys is uh, actually headed for a heartbreak. And I've always said it's just it it doesn't seem like the kind of song that it is. Like it's got a pretty solid like big riff, but like you don't feel like it's going to be the song that it is. Like when you kind of start breaking it down and the chorus, especially you don't I don't think you typically see coming when it comes, especially given how like big of the chorus it is. And I've always thought that that was actually one of my favorite songs and I could never really put my finger on it. But it, it is kind of funny that you say that, you know, that's that's Kip's stance is I, I kind of want to not know where something's going and then kind of almost yeah. inadvertently flipping it on its head with what he does with it vocally and I've always thought that that song as I've listened to it and gotten more into music and more into the production and, and sonics of stuff and figuring things out it's like this song just doesn't seem like it should be what it is like it, no that's that's a typical Kip Winger brilliant song that you can't argue that song like especially as a songwriter but I can't imagine someone listening to that song and saying 
this sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, that Kip wrote that song, and my contribution to that song is this. <laughs> hey, but you know that's what? That's all I wrote. I wrote that part, you know? I think I got hey, but like, that's, the, that's the transition, though. That's the transition part. <laughs> it's very Kip, important. Very it important. It is. Hey, you know what? As I've learned uh, in learning about pub- publishing and all that kind of stuff and royalty rates, as yep. long as you did that, that's how you get your, that's how you earn your publishing. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Do you know, kind of uh, speaking a little bit to uh, guitar players, you're actually one of the first guitar players I've gotten to talk to since uh, Eddie Van Halen has passed away. Um, I know you were involved, uh, was it about 20 years ago, on a Van Halen tribute album? Oh, yeah, that yeah, but that's, you know, you go in and do a session and go out. It's not like Van Halen is overseeing it. Well, no, but I mean, you know, it's still to a thing like where you've obviously done something where you're paying tribute to Eddie and the band. Um, what did Eddie mean to you as a player? And, and maybe do you have any stories of uh, seeing them or and maybe even meeting him at some point? Yeah, I've met him a few times. Um, he was always really nice. And, you know, when he when he died, uh, I was in shock for a while. And then I kind of pondered it and was like, well, wait a second. If it wasn't for Eddie Van Halen, let, let's just think about that he never existed, okay? In a world where Eddie Van Halen never existed, where would I be? And I was like, okay, I, would, I wouldn't tap. And so tapping is what made me get the kind of stamp on my forehead as like a shredder guy and definitely helped Winger. But then would Winger even be around? Because Van Halen was the first glam band, really, that, that came out. You know, they are they really popularized it. Uh, and so, you know, Winger was kind of a glammy band in the videos and stuff. And, and who knows if we would have had that excess that success, I don't think so, without the advent of Van Halen. Um, I certainly would not have been on the cover of the guitar magazine, which I wanted desperately since I was 16 years old. Um, I don't think I would have had the success that I had without him. And uh, it's it's very devastating um, that he's gone. It's just really strange to live in a world without Van Halen, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the thing that's crazy to me is even thinking about beyond the contributions he had as a player and as a songwriter, more importantly, but just what he's done for like the gear side of things, you know, with 5150, with what he's done with, and even some of the, you know, guitars and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, he transcended from just being a musician to being kind of in the, you know, gear side of things, which, you know, not everyone always is a part of or kind of has a chance to revolutionize as well. I mean, at least for me being a big metal guy, I don't know many people in the metal realm that aren't using or haven't used at some point a 5150. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that, honestly. I mean, I, <clears throat> I never know how much the artists actually have to do with the their the products that come out, you know. Um, but, I mean, Van Halen had all kinds of stuff. Wasn't he with PV for a while? And, and then he was with different companies and stuff. Um, I never Kramer. thought about that. Well, yeah, I was with Kramer for a little bit. I liked them. That was my first guitar as a Kramer. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, <clears throat> when Winger first hit, I got guitars in my house like every day. <laughs> and then me and, the, me and the UPS guy became friends. And he's like, Red, what do you got today? And he'd hang around and watch while I opened it to see what I got, you know. Um, and I ended up going with Ibanez because I liked that one the best, and I sent all the rest back. George Lynch told me I was an idiot for sending the rest back. He said I should have kept them. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm, uh, where can everyone find you or the band or whatever else you would like to plug? Oh, thanks. Um, just I'm doing lessons at I think it's officialredbeach at gmail.com. Uh, and I have a master class November 7th that you can find. Just Google Red Beach master class. And then, um, you know, that's basically what I'm doing until until May. So uh, Kip and I are writing. I'm flying out back to Nashville on the 14th to just finish off the record. Record. So far, the new Winger record is completely epic, and Kip's got this high bar where it's he wants it to be like the first Boston album, where just every Ooh, song is just like undeniably good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with long jams in it, and you know, super uh, memorable stuff. So that's where we're at, you know. And we we we've, we've written like I don't know 13 songs, but we're only going to use five of them so far. So we got to go back and go back to the drawing board until they're all you know undeniable. And, and already I like this album better than the last one. I mean, if you're going to mention Boston and that's kind of the bar you're setting, then I need, I at least need you to have one really awesome pick scrape. They still have one of my favorite pick scrape tones. Like, well, you just, know how he does it, right? Have you have you seen the video of Tom Schultz? Doesn't show- he use a... No, no, he built it. It's a machine that he built. Oh, okay. That uses tape. You've got to Google it, John. I will. It will freak you out. It uses like, you know, multiple tapes and multiple tape heads that when he does the... the When he does that, it go. He makes it go an octave lower with his foot pedal, so it oh. goes and goes like super low. That's why it sounds so amazing, and there's echo all over it. Um, but to see him do it like right up close, you know, it's really something to see. It's very, very easy to find on Google. Oh man, I'm gonna look that up as soon as we're done. That is, I right never knew. I've seen people use. A, I think uh, the guys on Earth were might have been joking, but uh, took a yeah. something like a tool and just just ran yeah. down the strings, basically fucking up their strings. But you know, <laughs> yeah, get that yeah. one good take. <laughs> you love a good pick skew, but you, yeah, it's a long video. You have to go kind of to the middle to find the part where he's doing the pick skews. It's it's like nothing you've ever heard or seen before, except for when you saw Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your day, and maybe when the uh, the next winger album is out we'll have you come back on and, and talk about that that'd be great thank you very much i appreciate yeah. that john yeah enjoy the rest of your day all right you too bud okay see ya so that was my conversation with red beach uh i had a lot of fun doing that i actually had texted dan when i was done because i went from frank from hate breed right into this one with reb and uh it was a lot of fun with both and uh there's a video of this one as well um so if you haven't checked out the episode where frank and i are literally talking to each other like we are on this live cast that we're currently doing uh you can see me talking to reb you can actually see him playing the guitar uh it was a lot of fun and uh yeah, definitely go support him. Uh, if you are remotely interested in taking lessons from him, uh, you just go over to his website, RebBeach.com. Um, I guess we'll just do the plugs right now. Uh, you can find Reb Beach on Facebook at Reb Beach, Instagram at Reb Beach Official, Twitter at Real Reb Beach. And just to quickly plug the other bands, just to kind of keep up with those, if you're not aware of those, uh, you can find Winger on Facebook at Official Winger, Instagram at Winger the Band, Twitter at Winger the Band, White Snake on Facebook at WhiteSnake.Official, Instagram at WhiteSnake, and Twitter at WhiteSnake as well. Really want to thank uh, Rev for taking the time and just being one of my favorite guests uh, that we've had back on. Um, hopefully we can do another one at some point and Dan can join in because uh, I think 
he would have a blast with him. And uh, I think he reminds me a little bit of Joe, uh, the yes. other host of uh, Discuss Metal um, and discography discussion and all that. So if you watch the video and you've seen, you know, Joe Wren, uh, you might uh, actually agree with and say that that's that's what Joe probably will be like in about 20 more years. <laughs> Pretty sure Joe's already been like that for the past 20 years. You're just talking yeah. to him. If he's holding a guitar, you might as well have that conversation a different night because he's not listening to you. Well, it's almost like when you had John, when we had John five on and I was like, you know, it's, you know, I've known you've done interviews and you know, you're always known to have your guitar on you. And then next thing you know, like, and you're just like, Oh, well, okay. I guess now we're, we're doing the rest of the interview where you're playing your guitar. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal if you're going to do that, but uh, you know, just, I just want to know like ahead of time, if that's what, what this is going to be like, this is how this he is going to go down. He actually starts spelling out sentences with different chords. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking uh, in the language of music. If you were, if you were a real music podcast, you would understand everything I'm saying right now with my guitar. Absolutely. And speaking of understanding everything on the guitar, again, Red Beach, a solo record of you from the inside is out it came out this past friday as of when you're listening to this go stream it go pick it up whatever go support him um as you heard this some of this music has been around for the better part of 20 some odd years uh really enjoyed the story of black magic uh basically being streamed at sporting events in japan uh that was pretty funny um you know it just kind of goes to show that sometimes you don't know what's going to hit in what capacity or where um i think you know with us doing podcasts and stuff like that and seeing our stats sometimes we'll see like you know hey we made it on the charts in slovenia we're in the top 20 and you're like cool <laughs> can they even understand me yeah i know right it's it's the craziest thing like especially um yeah looking looking at the podcast charts i think the last one for discography discussion was like uh uruguay mm. i believe or is it uruguay you're a guy i don't know anyway um i'm a guy um most of the time but um yeah, it's it's insane where we're like, who's listening to this podcast? And the only thing I can think of is it's got to be somebody that like is just on vacation or something in that country. Of course, why yeah. would they be doing that during COVID? So it's like they're it's so fucking cheap. Absolutely, absolutely. But <laughs> yeah. speaking of cheap, Dan's going to plug uh, cheaply where he can be found online. I can be found for dirt cheap. Okay, I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. Uh, I can be found on well on Twitch under Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, I stream two times a week at minimum. Uh, that's usually on Monday nights and Thursday nights. I like to play a lot of Doom. Uh, but lately, man, I've just kind of been streaming whenever I get the itch to. So uh, you know, it's just you have a pretty good chance of seeing me or one of my friends, like uh, Buddy Reno or Violence Obscene. You know, like th these guys are also streaming all the time. So sometimes I just lurk on their streams and make funny comments to make them lose at the game. That's that tends to be my my favorite thing to do. Um, so, yeah, it's been it, it's been really, really cool over there. But, uh, yeah, I also have two other podcasts, uh, Discography Discussion, which I'm sure you all know. And uh, the Discuss Metal podcast all can be found at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, it is simple enough. Just go to BrewSpeakPod.com. It'll be the landing page for anything you want to know about this podcast. It has links to all of our shows, all of the news that we have made. Also, shout out to the PRP for sharing our episode with Frank Novinick of Hatebreed. That was pretty cool. Um, also, randomly, uh, Hatebreed started following our Twitter account, or not our Twitter, our Instagram account. So that was pretty fucking cool um i don't know that they just have a thing set up to where it's like if you mention them or whatever they're just like hey cool we'll follow you yeah yeah but, but i mean you know i'll take it yeah absolutely um 
but really cool to uh, talk to Frank. Really cool getting to talk to Reb again. And uh, yeah, and join us Wednesday. We actually just dropped our uh, live cast from a couple of weeks ago with the late worker guys. I was a little bit late in getting that up. Um, we'll be dropping the episode that we did with Brandon Kellum from American Standards uh, next Wednesday. Uh, typically, we like to have a guest on if we are able to, but uh, not always. Uh, so just kind of join in and enjoy the conversation with us uh, on the various social media platforms. Um, but yeah, you can find all of that on brewspeakpod.com. And uh, you can also find our sponsors there as well. So starting off with Bean Bastard, beanbastard.com. Get some delicious coffee. Uh, so many new blends coming out. They just put out a Wakanda Forever blend. Uh, they just put out something else. I'm blanking on what it was. Um, head over there, though. Pick up a bag of coffee, a very small DIY independently owned company. So obviously that support means a lot to them. And uh, On Point Pomade. Actually got my hair cut. It's what's actually been keeping my hair up uh, using the premium pomade. Uh, I got to get Dan some stuff. Actually, I realized my beard oil that I was going to send to you was actually open somehow. Uh, so I've been using it. And I got to say, it's actually been making what little bit of shit I can grow be less itchy. So I'm thinking this is how why people use it to actually get through the itchy phase of of growing a beard or kind of the shittiness of growing a beard at times. I mean, My honestly, assumption. for me, growing a beard has just been out of laziness. Uh, right. I just I just can't be bothered to shave. It takes up way too much time in the day. But uh, yeah, you need to send me some of that stuff because right now, I mean, like you look really good. Like you, you took some time to make yourself look the way you look. Uh, me, I look like I rolled. Out, I look, I look like I rolled out of a dumpster and like walked over to a friend's house and was like, "Can I use your shower?" Then they said no and slammed the door in my face. And then I showed up for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, but on point pomade go over to onpointpalmade.com use our code BSP15 and save 15% off your total purchase uh, I'll have to do the same to send Danda a little gift pack of everything uh, I know Joe speaking again of Joe I know Joe uses it and uh, really enjoys it uh, I think he calls the premium pomade uh, melted gummy berries which uh, as I was putting a little bit in my hand today to put up my hair I was like yeah I guess I can see that definitely kind of feels like that head on over to rockabilia.com where they have over 500,000 items in their online store all of it is 100% officially licensed through the bands so not only are you supporting rockabilia but you're supporting the bands who aren't able to tour right now uh so that's a win-win for everybody and if you use our code brew 15 you get 15 percent off your total purchase order so it's kind of a win-win-win uh we'd like to save you money we like to help you get cool looking stuff we like to make you look good uh we're probably the most uh friendly podcast as far as what we want to help you do uh, i don't know another podcast that actually will help you look good in all facets so yeah absolutely Kudos. come to your house and do an extreme makeover <laughs> might be a brutal makeover by we i mean john i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that but uh all of that said want to thank all of our sponsors want to thank everyone for taking the time for checking this out and we will talk to you all next week where we will have ben of killer be killed mutoid man and converge on to talk about uh all of those things so until next week i am john and i am dan